There's a corner of the purest black where the dark powers have hidden for far too long. Shar has let them be, both amused by the pain they inflicted and scared of their might. She has left now, and so the burden of decision has been passed on. Too long have they hidden in the domains of dread. And now is the time for the knot to be loosened, and to reap the pain and tragedy that has ripened within their mist. Before anything can be done about the dark powers, however, the Count's pain must be dealt with. He has gathered innumerable replicas of his own tragic story. He creates, polishes, and rewrites the same chapters in cyclical fashion as a mad tragedian. So many souls have gathered in his land that they form a frayed tapestry flapping in the stormy night wind. One just needs to pull at the right thread to unravel it all, and the hand that pulls it shall have compassion for suffering, a voice to break the silence, resolution to say no to the dark powers, curiosity to witness the story, and the right words to write it down. It's time for the final iteration. So all of you are different brand struggle, different goal. And one day you find yourself nondescript in a few miles away from Candle Key. You are weary from traveling and are looking for a day of rest. You get to this inn, which has no, you know that it's an inn because people are gathering to it, but it has no name and you find all of you in the common room where people are having a meal and going to bed quite early to rest. Enters Alistair Crawley. How does he look like? Dr. Alistair Crawley is a large man standing at 6'6". His physique outs him as more than your average doctor. A paladin of Ilmata, in fact. He carries a large book covered in the symbols of Ilmatar. It had a large cane befitting of a man of his size, and a shield on his back. He dresses very well to do, as a doctor might, and keeps a nice trim beard. What race is he? He's human in appearance, but he's a Kalistar. And he's not secretive about it, but he doesn't just run around telling everybody he's a Kalistar either. Tulani Nix walks into this Paragost Inn. What does she look like? Well, first Tulani Nix walks in. You see her for half a second. She stops, looks around, walks back out, 
And then she walks back in after doing something you don't know, but she apparently is holding some of the grass nearby in her hand, and she's twisting it in her fingers. And as she looks at it, you see over her that she's rather short for an elf, as you can see her ears pop up. She has darker skin and complexion. She's about five foot four. Her Ooh, eyes are okay. a nice silvery lunar-esque color. They seem to just have a very yes. soft glow to them. Her gaze as she looks about, is a little distant, but anytime she makes eye contact with someone, it seems to be a very steely, inquisitive stare. She's wearing very flowy vestments. Definitely, you can see Raven Queen monikers. It's not gaudy in any way. It's very, it's embroidered in there. It's meant to be comfortable, and it seems like it can handle some wear and tear, but it's mostly for ritualistic type things. As she moves about, you can hear a little bit of a ching here and there, so you can tell that she does have some armor beneath, but she seems to walk a little uncomfortably from that aspect. Mimi, you walk in. What do you look like at first glance? At first glance, her hair is a messy wavy black that she's pulled up with a scarf to try and contain on top of her head she wears her corset strings a little bit loose and Mm. she definitely walks with a let's just say her passive sprite is hip swaying side to side and a little smirk she carries a lyre with her l-y-r-e she's smallish just a little bit taller than Tulani Nix at 5'5". Five five. All of you don't know each other. Grab a table or the side of the bar where you can have a free spot to refresh as you're apart from the road. You look around and Ghost is a very... It's a mining town. It's not very busy. It's not very eventful. It's just a passing town that you're stopping in for a moment. Mimi, you have a drink in your hand. You are content for the moment as you cast your glance towards the room. What do you wish to do? I'm jumping right into her goddamn character. Who's the hottest guy at the bar? (laughs) (laughs) Hottest guy at the bar is a man that looks a bit like... Oscar Isaac. He's just kind of leaning on the bar and having a huge mug of ale. I'm gonna go up and sit next to him and order a drink. So she's she's gonna go, well, what are you drinking? I'm just drinking an ale, my lady, but be too rough for your taste. When he says rough, he kind of detailing you and seeing that you're of a finer maid. Well, there's not a lot of things that are... Too rough for me. Oh, is it? Perhaps you... (laughs) He he motions motions to the bartender and points to his own drink as if saying, like, she's going to have whatever I'm having. And a large mug of frothing ale is put in front of you. You see this Oscar lifts his own buck and goes for a cheer. I'll cheers him right there. And let's pause because I have to stop blushing. Other characters are here. (laughs) Alistair, you're sitting to the side, probably not putting yourself in front of everybody on the bar. Am I right? Yes, that would be correct. Alistair is sitting in a corner reading a nice book entitled An Anatomy of a Ghoul. You're 
trying to focus on reading the manual that you have in your hand, you see a very young priest of Thorm walk in. He looks distraught and he sees you, ogles you a little bit, and then he eventually sits down next to you and he says, Pardon me, good sir. Uh, I, I couldn't help but see that you are perhaps of the God of Wounds uh, follower. Am I right in this? Alistair's going to look up and close his book and then reply, Why, yes, I am a doctor of Ilmatar. How may I be of service, father? I have nowhere to turn. We have been receiving people that came out of the woods wounded of an ill that I cannot find a cause of. I was coming to the end to see if anybody could help, and as, at first glance, I think you're, you're, you're the best bet that I have. It would be my pleasure to help you. After all, I've taken the Elmatic Oath. And he's going to get up, put on his coat, and pick up his cane and his book, uh, leave his food as it was, and get ready to leave. If there are people in need, then lead the way, Father. He quickly leaves the inn and makes his way towards the east of the town. You go a little bit out of Beregos to a large temple. It's a temple of Thorm, the god of justice and righteousness. You recognize the regalia of it, and it's quite big for this town. Beregos is not a big town by any means, but the temple is. The priest brings you and hushes you quickly to one of the side doors. He does not bring you towards the main entrance. He brings you to one of the western doors and enters into a low-roofed room. It's not super big, but probably has about 10 beds. In them, you see four people who are bedded. They have their covers up to their chin and they're shivering in their bed. They don't seem to have any open wounds that you can see, but they don't seem well at all. As we enter, Alistair's going to take out a mask. It's one of those bird-like plague doctor masks. You put your mask back uh, at the first bed that's next to you, and you see this man. He is quite thin, and he is shivering under the blankets. Although you see that there is a few covers on top of him, as if they were trying to keep him warm, despite the fact that it's the end of the summer, so this guy shouldn't have that many covers on him. But still, he is in bed, very gaunt. His skin is taut against his skull, and he is shivering. Emaciation and shivers. Possible fevers. We'll need more information before a diagnosis can be hypothesized. Looks at the next guy. You move to the next bed where there is an occupant. Very similarly, you see a man that is quite thin, not as much as the one that you've just seen, but still he has piles and piles of furs and cover on top of him, and he is shivering. He doesn't seem to be quite conscious. Hmm. Self-induced comatosia. Is this later in the disease or earlier? And he's simply responding to the first parts with more dormancy. Moving on to the next one. The next one you see is a very plump man, so not thin at all. He is also shaking, but not shivering, more like shaking. He does cling to his coverlet and seem to be in a bad state, but not 
at first glance, you don't seem as far off as the other ones. Seems to be early in the process, or something entirely different. Looking at the fourth one. The fourth guy is not shivering. He's almost in a comatose state, but his eyes are black. His lips are blue, and he's completely still. Has a few coverlets on top of him, but he is not moving at all. Is this man dead? Priest uh, says, like stammering, like no, like he he was breathing uh, last time I saw him. This doesn't look good, but we can give a quick check going to put on a stethoscope and uh, listen for a heartbeat. He is still breathing, although very faintly. You have to wait a moment until you can hear the boom of the heart. And then maybe five or six seconds later, you hear the other boom. That tells you that this guy is still breathing, still drawing breath, but very, very close to death. I'd wager he doesn't have much time left. We should look into his symptoms immediately. I'm going to start doing an investigation and inspection of what's going on here. Can I roll a medicine? Yes, please. With the 23, you go around the other three patients and you notice that the pump person is probably not suffering from the same ailment as the other one. You discard him as being a part of the same malady that ails them. Uh, But the, the three other ones, you're fairly sure, are suffering different stage of the same thing. They are anemic. So a lack of blood, lack of strength in the blood that causes faintness, even loss of consciousness, shivering and coldness. So you're fairly sure that they're lacking blood in their system. So, Mimi, you're sharing a nail. Is there any conversation you want to have with this man? So, what do you do in the town? She's going to take a big old swig of the ale. He takes a sip as well and blushes and says, I am but just minor, my lady. This is a common place for minors. Uh, it is. We have very fine old in, in the Nashville mines. Well, this sounds like a, a fine town. I haven't been here long, but I already get the impression that this is a, how do I say, a charming place. He smiles. He says, my lady, are you here uh, just passing or are you perhaps going to Candlekeep? Oh, I'm I'm just passing through. I, I didn't have a plan, really. I'm a traveling performer. What's this, uh, what's this other city you speak? Oh, Candlekeep. Uh, I uh, there isn't much for somebody like me, but I know a lot of uh, knowledgeable people stop there to. Uh, apparently, there's a big library with a lot of stories, and perhaps that might be interesting for somebody like you. And he kind of ogles your liar <laughs> <laughs> as he says this. She's just gonna kind of stroke it lovingly. Yes, she has got me through many a uh, rough time. He kind of cocks an eyebrow and says, She? And does she have a name? Freya. I'd, I'd heard it once in an old story. Would you, excuse me being so bold, would you, would you mind perhaps playing a tune for me and for us? And he kind of gestures to other people like, in the room and you can clearly tell by how he's by the clothes that he's wearing he has mining clothes like he's covered in soot it's very clear that the other people 
in this end are sharing the same trade as well of course not do you sing or is it something that's just a just on the liar just on the liar okay why don't you roll me a men's check okay so 18 this uh, song that you're plucking on your lyre, what emotion are you conveying? What is the main thing that people should get from whatever performance you're doing? It's supposed to be fun and uplifting. It's definitely supposed to be like something that's accompanied and people are meant to dance to. Like if someone had uh, drums or <laughs> spoons, that would definitely be a very lively song. Tulani, you're, you're sitting in the room and you see this this uh, beautiful elven, half-elven lady trying is starting to play on her lyre, and and you you are privy to this to this performance that she seems to be doing for the man in sitting in front of her. She's sitting up very properly, and her head rotates just a tiny bit to like notice you, Mimi, as you play, and a slight smile pops on her, and she's tapping her foot along, like not to the beat. It's like a little asymmetrical to the beat. It's not quite there. And seeing how other people pick up some spoons, she grabbed uh, maybe her plate or something like that. And she tries to tap along. She's happy, even knowing she's probably not doing well. She's enjoying herself. And it's it's very mildly, at most, childish in a way. But she's still regal. Oh, she's a baby. But, you know, no. she's a little out of sync. Probably Mimi, being as far travel as you are as being a bard, you would notice Tulani stand out. Stand and out. even though she's short, just the, her stature makes her seem taller. Just because she's very posh, but it's not like a stick-up-her-butt kind of thing. There's an elegance to it. You kind pluck on your lyre and do this acoustic song, and you're quickly followed by a couple of spoons by the guy that is able to accompany you, like you fairly well on the percussion. But eventually, like people start drumming their mug on the table too to follow the rhythm, and it's kind of a uplifting moment. Really, what you're trying to convey to those people is really reflected in the whole room as people pick it up. Up, they don't start dancing, but they're kind of all nodding or either keeping time. This Oscar guy is really looking at you with stars in his eyes, very impressed by what you're doing. Mimi is going to close out the song, kind of fade it out so people get a chance to pick up on the cue. And then she's going to turn to Oscar and go, I will be back just one moment. I think I may have spotted an old traveling companion of mine keep an eye on my ale and she's gonna throw him a wink and then walk over to Tulani. okay yeah i like to believe that just like her poise and just again her being like an ashen skinned elf no one's sitting really near Tulani, but it's obviously like she looks up at mimi not quite expecting her to actually walk over when you come up to her she was like oh excuse me and then she reaches in a pouch and hands you a copper coin it's like i didn't know that there was a tip for this oh i i can't take your money darling i I can't help but notice that you're not quite like many other elves that I've met. I'm a half-elf, so I'm not trying to be completely and utterly rude. She's going to, you know, kind of reveal her ears and put some hair back. I was just wondering what had brought you to this town. You seem like such a put-together person. Huh. I'm kind of curious. If only. Um, I aspire to be, but um, uh, right now I am traveling through on the way to Candlekeep, uh, I seek a veritable fount of information that I've not yet encountered. I've 
spent many a year studying, and now I want to try and apply that knowledge. And uh, many people laughed when I said that sentence, especially my family. But uh, for now, I believe I'm on the right path. But I sincerely well, yeah. appreciated what you did there. That was uh, it was quite wonderful music, as it were. Uh, did that come from somewhere? Did you write that yourself? And she starts like writing notes as she's talking to you. <laughs> Maybe he's going to chuckle a little bit and go, well, you're on the right way to Candlekeep. I can I can say that as much. One of the blokes at the bar had mentioned as such, and she's going to turn over her shoulder, and if, um, what's his name? I forgot his name already. Uh, you and you if, never ask his name. Oh, oh, refer to him as Oscar because he looks like Oscar Isaac. <laughs> if NPC Oscar is looking this way, she's going to throw a wink over his shoulder and then turn back to Tulani. One of the blokes at the bar had mentioned that Candlekeep is nearby. It actually sounds quite interesting. Whenever you're ready to leave town, let me know when I'll accompany you. It's not safe to travel alone. Oh, very much not. Uh, I definitely had to uh, hop aboard a couple of carriages, as it were. Not as comfortable as I've been led to believe, of course. Are you spending the night here? Well, I mean, I don't believe there's anywhere else to stay. I forgot to check on that. Uh, though, what is the name of this denote person? better ghost, dear. A better ghost. Oh, ghost. Oh, that's why I, I thought there were ghosts around here. That's why I stopped in, uh, seeing if people needed some help in passing on, as it were. So while Ugh. Mimi and Tulani are exchanging words, uh, perhaps like moving on to Candlekeep, Alistair, you are in the Temple of Thorm. So I'm going to get out my doctor's kit and continue pulling out different apparatus. This is where some of the doctor's stuff and chemistry stuff intersect. He's going to start taking blood samples to get into there and start trying to diagnose what, what we have. He would have a doctor's almanac to known diseases. And so he would start yeah, going about the process. While you're attending to them, all of them are kind of in a dream-like state. They're passed out mumbling in their sleep and they keep talking about this shadow realm a place they went where they were trapped and they were able to get out and they all speak about this same black lady that helped them get out and that freaks your attention they speak of a lady ever they all have the same cue as to why they were able to get out of there and seek help is because Lady Eva. And where would one find this great Lady Eva? They're not conscious enough to be able to point you to her. They just all speak of the same lady and as far as you know, the only way to make them feel better would be a transfusion of some sort. Uh, you know, it's a very dangerous procedure, as you guys don't know, like blood, what blood types are uh, at this this point in time. But you know that putting blood back into their system could possibly help. All right, Father. I know of a way that could potentially save them, but it's a bit risky. Do you know of any ASMR in the area? ASMR? Yes, we've found that most mortals are more receptive of Azamar blood than other races. Uh, the father tells you that they don't know of any Azamar. There are some in Candlekeep, 
but they're like about the days away. In the city of Baragost, as far as you know, there's no ASMR. I let the priest know how best to make them as comfortable as possible and to send word for Azmar blood. If we can get that, then I'll perform a blood transfusion. So uh, eventually, like, attending uh, to all of the patients, you go back to the end. The evening has kind of died down a little bit. You see Mimi and Tulani that you don't know quite yet, but they're having some kind of exchange and everybody else kind of moved on either to sleep or they're kind of half passed out from their drink and that's the state that you find the end in. Alistair's gonna make his way over to the two ladies. Excuse me, you two look like travelers. Am I correct in this? So he's I... in- immediately suspicious. If a dude walks over to two ladies and goes, are you travelers? It's usually not a good thing. <laughs> so maybe he's gonna look up and go, yes, are you? I will answer your question with another question. Why do you smell of death? He looks at both of them as they both ask him a question at the same time, and then answers both questions with the same sentence. I'm a traveling doctor, and I'm looking into a disease within this township. Have any of you witnessed the following symptoms? Emaciation, anemia, starvation or gaunt, black eyes, comatose, and low heart race. Have I heard of any such things? You have been traveling from the south to the north. You're making your way towards, let's say that you're making to way, your way toward Baldur's Gate. For some time now, you have heard that people have been disappearing and coming back. And the people who are coming back are all sick. They look really, really bad. They have very emaciated features and they just seem to kind of tumble out of whatever wilderness that is around those big cities and they just kind of cluster around the temples. Uh, Well, essentially what I remember from my travels, uh, this is common in other cities as well. Uh, Similar features, emaciation, um, terrible features, dark eyes. They tend towards temples. That's pretty much all I can tell you. I can't assume the, I'm a They definitely seek godly help. That's pretty much all I can tell you. I Have you heard of a lady, Ava? Yes, it's curious that you mention her in all of this. Many of the bards have encountered her in our travels. She's a fortune teller, and rumor has it that... Anyone who gets an ill fate ends up meeting their fate a little faster than had anticipated. Very curious. You see, all of the victims mentioned her name and accredited her as their savior in their escape. Escape? Escape the fate? I am uncertain. They didn't explain what they were escaping. As it just so turns out, she is one to meddle in the affairs of the common folk. From what I've ascertained and extrapolated and heard right here and there, but uh, Lady Eva. And I kind of quiet down because some of the people around might venerate her or something. Lady Eva is an abomination. And I just kind of leave it hanging there for a second. She likes to toy with people's fates, which is (coughs) beyond her means. Beyond many's means. Like, she basically will manipulate your fate. She says she's telling it, but instead she's actually subverting it. 
That seems very dark, like very dark magic. No wonder they found him. Do you know how we might get a hold of her? We could set up a false fortune teller stand. I think that they get rather competitive with each other. Maybe she wouldn't like someone encroaching in. You, Mimi, you look like you could be someone who would be more apt for that. Do you have I cards? think it would make sense that Mimi has a tarot card. Do you think so? Yes, she actually believes that people can see into the future. Like mm-hmm. what? At this time, it's about 1 a.m. It's kind of late. There are still people around and people tipsy around that you think that you can lure them into casting their fate. Alistair, uh, if I get this right, let me know. Mm-hmm. Alistair, you're trying to read people as mm-hmm. Mimi is going to cast the cards, right? Yes. Mimi, you set up at a table of the Berigas Inn and put your cards on the table, put a few knickknacks that you know will attract people, even if you know that they don't do anything, you know they will attract people. So you put a few knickknacks and then eventually there is this dark-skinned gnomish woman and she walks in and very intently walks towards the seat in front of you. She sits down and she says, I would like to peer into my future. Of course. Madame Mimi does not understand the common, however, and so I am here to do the translating for her as she does your reading. Mimi, you're gonna pull five cards. You realize fairly quickly as you pull the cards that this reading is not for you. You're pulling out cards for yourself. And as you look upon the cards, you're like, okay, this is this has nothing to do with this gnomish girl, it has everything to do with me. The paladin. I see a sleeping prince, a servant of light and the brother of darkness. The treasure lies within. The warrior. That which you seek lies in the womb of darkness, the devil's lair, the one place to which he must return. The seer. Look for a dusk elf living amongst the Vistani. He has suffered a great loss and is hunted by dark dreams. Help him and he will help you in return. The raven. Find the leader of the feathered ones who live amongst the vines. Though old, he has one more fight left in him. The priest. You will find him in the castle, amid the rune of a place of supplication. He is going to look up very deliberately from the cards and kind of look the gnomish woman up and down and then speak in common. Do you happen to have a young man of significance in your life? A son, a nephew, uh, even someone that may work for you? I... She, you hold dear. she thinks for a moment and she says, Yes, I, I do. I do have a nephew. I haven't seen... I haven't seen for a while. I recommend that you take a visit. He may be in a great state of distress. You think? I haven't talked to him in a bit. I recommend that you reach out and possibly provide some comfort to him. Okay, okay, I will do that. And and you see like this this gnomish lady 
like takes very seriously whatever card that you pull and she walks away like very uh, deep in thought about what you just told her i'll flow up to mimi just kind of like show a form of poise and place a gentle hand on her shoulder and like are you okay i'm not quite sure i am i mean you know this was just for fun this is a ploy it's no longer a ploy i'm afraid this is now this is our future it is not something that we will change it is our fate and how do you know Uh, this because my cards never lie what reason would they have i mean it's ink upon a paper um there's i don't mean to be crass but uh the future is not always meant to be known and if so why bother because the world is uncertain and some people find a necessity for comfort i well how about this i have seen plenty of person who is sure to pass this mortal coil as everyone had any right to and somehow some way she's still kicking oh is she still kicking you have no idea even her own family didn't believe in her (laughs) it was predestined they almost said but she found a way why can't we we can try all we want but this is well at least this is my future for the time being depending on what paths we take and what uh, what truths we bring into being it can change well i mean you say it's your future but what if the burden is bared by many something that could be dangerous for one can be a trifle for many and not knowing that it's probably inconsiderate i'm like since it seems to be a cause for consternation for you i'm going to be reaching towards the cards kind of scoop them up and put them away i don't again if you want to stop her great otherwise she's going to he's lightly gonna slap your hand it's very rude to touch someone's cards oh well um i mean you just seem so taken aback by them well good to note and she notes it (laughs) well i mean does it lead to any first steps here because i think our little ploy went to pot like what does this mean so uh mimi is going to repeat back the meanings of the cards to the other two. Mm. It almost sounds like a fated path of some sort. It's... it's... <laughs> I don't know quite how to describe it. Is Vistani a well-known place? No. Not at all. Seems too... too detailed. We must seek out a servant of light, uh, a brother of darkness apparently he may be the key in order to really starting up this journey in order to do it right in fact oh and there was dusk elf do we know anything about dusk elves especially two of us are elves i mean we know there's a <laughs> lot of different kind of elves because mm-hmm. they just adapt to whatever environment they're in but yeah you can roll a nature check 10. Wow, I'm supposed to be a knowledge cleric. Come on. Mimi is a bard. <laughs> She's barding it up. As far as you know, Mimi, Dusk Elves and Shardokai, very similar in aesthetic. <laughs> Fuck me. Damn it. 
Uh, no, but I, I only really know their description, and they look a lot like your kind. Oh. If I'm going oh. to be totally honest. Oh. They look a lot like the Shadow Bride. I can very much assure you that I know not of these Dusk Elves, and I am not one of them. He's just smiling as she's saying this, trying to persuade her. From what she knows, you guys are very, very, very similar. <laughs> But there's something in your demeanor that's kind of different. You're very forthcoming about what you are. But Dusk Elves usually usually aren't. Mm. They have a darker nature to them. But you could probably pass as a Dusk Elf. Yeah. <laughs> and a Dusk Elf could probably pass as a as a shorter guy. I know. I got a good read on you, honey. You don't gotta worry about a thing. I'm saying we might be able to identify them as how similar they look to you. Okay. Um, you may be even able to gain their trust if we play our cards right. But well, we're getting ahead of ourselves. That is the third card. Oh, oh dear me. Well, I'm suddenly reminded that it's been over 24 hours since I've last been sleeping. With that, I should bid my leave and retire to uh, sleep. Oh, oh yes, the, the sleep thing. Them. That's always strange. So, Mimi, you look around and you realize that the people have actually vacated the premises. Seems like uh, we've definitely reached a point. Um, I need to make my offering. Please, be careful. Um, we don't know who or when or what the Dark Mistress, whatever the fuck her name is, will, uh, will strike. Well, um, do you feel safe alone? I, I kind of don't. I can handle myself. And okay. if you need a room to stay in for the night, mine is open. You know, we only need to transfer so long. Oh, yes, I, I shall help with offerings as well for paying for the room. I sincerely appreciate that as I forgot to acquire a room when I entered. Uh, tends to happen sometimes. I, I, I expect, uh, so I thought there would be a temple here uh, to the Raven Queen because, I mean, death is everywhere, but apparently not everyone venerates her, even though she's literally waiting for you. You went to bed, had your mid-station or your, your uh, beauty time, and then when you woke up, you were in the inn still, in Veragos. And as you make your way downstairs, it's completely deserted. It's empty, except for a newcomer. That's who. Really early in the morning, you traveled all night, and you're looking like for to rest. Uh, so you got like nothing seemed uh, weird at all. You're just like you were just right in the town. You got into the inn, but when you get in, it's empty. And after so you look around, and after a while, you hear like footsteps from upstairs. I'm just gonna start yelling like, "Oi!" Where the hell is everyone? Hello there. Did, where did you take everyone away? Is something going on? I'm not too sure. So she comes down. What kind of nonsense are you spewing? I just got here, and there's no innkeeper here, and I'm damn hungry. There were people outside. Piss poor farmers going to slave away in the dirt. And I'm just gonna go open the door and look. See, pull the door open. You pull the door open, and then there's like a uh, fog, mist, like. Pulls in 
but you do not see the town from outside. I only uh, know Alistair's walking out the door. That'd be a great insult, though. And he isn't just like quietly doing it, though. He announces, "I think we should go outside and see what is, what is the situation out there." Uh, Tetsuo, are you following Alistair, or is he going along? I'm assuming he just like pushed past me because I was in the doorway. Yeah, they just squeezed past. It's like, hi, Dell's your problem. There's investigation to be done. Would you like to join me? So the first thing that you realize as as you as you step out is like there is no town. This inn is in the middle of the wood. But uh, I am going to stop a moment and uh, look back at Tats Tatsuo. I don't think that we're still in Vergo State. 